Insight. What's going on? We are back here for another edition of the Canes Insight Podcast, presented by Canes, where I'm your host, managing editor of Canes Insight, Stefan Adams, and you know we have another great show for you guys today. On this episode, we will be talking early impressions coming out of spring football this first week, and it's Mario Cristobal's first spring, so there's going to be a lot of shuffling and tinkering as Mario gets used to his new roster and starts figuring out some of the best combinations, some of the best lineups that are going to be optimal for the team going into the 2022 season. Of course, it's still early, not a lot of contact yet, so it's hard to make too firm of conclusions at this point, but still interesting nonetheless to discuss initial impressions, D-Money and I are going to be talking position battles, including offensive line and wide receiver, especially how these freshmen and transfer portal guys are stacking up in the early going and if they look like they could be players here at Miami now or in the future. And then just a few other general takeaways from this first week of spring ball. And then before I bring D-Money on, I just want to take a few minutes to touch on the big recruiting camp that just happened this past weekend. I was able to go out to Rivals Miami 2022. It was a great camp, a lot of pro prospects, some guys that we're already a little bit familiar with as we get into this new 2023-2024 class, but also a few guys that could definitely be risers as we go through the process. So again, as always with South Florida, a lot of interesting names, and I'm just going to take a few minutes to touch on those guys, my initial impressions of the camp, and all that. But this is primarily going to be a Spring Buzz podcast, so if you want my full thoughts on what went down at the Rivals Miami camp on Sunday, you can head over to canesinsight.com and check out my full article, giving you all the details all the breakdown there's some recruiting notes in there top performers all that but for now I'm just going to give some initial impressions general takeaways and uh, give you the highlights of that so I'm just going to start off here with general overall takeaways from the camp while I was sitting there watching along there's a few things that definitely jumped out at me about just position groups and things of that nature definitely quarterback play it's just the especially at these type of camp events it can be really hit or miss we'll say especially in South Florida But, I mean, this year it was definitely pretty obvious and um, it was pretty clear this is probably the deepest quarterback talent pool that we've seen here in South Florida in recent years. You had a guy like Will Pritchard came out and uh, lit it up. Not the tallest guy at 6'1". Again, that's Will Pritchard from Kings Academy in West Palm. I'm not the tallest guy. Uh, I think he's listed 6'2", but he's really more about 6'1". But he definitely has the arm strength and ball placement that you're looking for in a Power 5 quarterback. Definitely backed up those P5 offers that he has a few here so far in 2023 for a 2023 guy. But uh, there was also guys that flashed, um, not on that same level. You You had Pritchard winning QB MVP from rivals themselves. You also had 2023 Cardinal Gibbons quarterback Dylan Risk and 2024 St. Thomas quarterback Tyler Aronson. Um, They showed some ability there to make strong throws, accurate throws, and had some good velocity on those passes too. Um, Again, it was a windy day there today. I don't know. It was all all across South Florida. It felt like it was very windy uh, this past Sunday. But uh, so the quarterbacks were a little bit at a disadvantage, but those guys I thought showed out as well as they could have in the conditions. And they were thrown to a pretty good group of wide receivers. It definitely helped that uh, these guys were getting open consistently and uh, honestly all three classes you know the main classes were 2023-2024 at Rivals this past weekend but uh, there was a few 2025 guys there that flashed really deep position group as is tradition in South Florida this group is going to be well stocked for years to come we can already kind of tell that I think um, just in the early going Uh, for me there was a lot of guys that flashed out there um, at wide receiver it was really hard for me to narrow down just a few top performers from that group may also kind of be a reflection 
perception of the DB class in 2023, 2024, maybe not being the absolute best. It definitely looks a little thin, at least in the early going here. But overall takeaway, the wide receiver group was an exciting group. And uh, that's definitely the group that can that has the potential to flash the most at these camp events. They're, it's kind of built for wide receivers, I think. They definitely get the most advantage from being in these type of camp situations. And uh, these guys definitely took full advantage of their opportunity. So uh, it was really interesting to see some of those guys out there. And then, uh, you know, a final general takeaway was the defensive end class. I mean, you're sitting there taking in the OL DL drills and one-on-ones, and there just wasn't a ton of defensive ends that really popped off the page and just really just exploded out of their stance, at least in the 2023 class. 2024 Killian defensive end, Dylan Stevenson ended up winning DL MVP at the event. And uh, yeah, he has those traits that you look for in defensive end, that quick first step, uh, the long arms, that frame to put on more weight. I think he's like listed at least 6'4", 215. Looks like he's put on some good weight though. So he's well on his way to, uh, you know, building up that body still has two years to do that. But at least of the 2023 group, there just wasn't that guy that, you know, that really flashed and popped and you're like, wow, this is the dude. Derek LeBlanc uh, was probably the more most impressive defensive end out of Osceola in that 2023 class. But he's a big dude. He's listed 6'4", 270. You know, he says he's up to 6'5", now 270. And he just kind of looks like he's growing more and more into that interior type of guy. He doesn't just have that, you know, that nasty first step and uh, those speed moves off the edge. Still very athletic type guy. I just see him more as like an inside interior guy where he can possibly, you know, kick out to the edge on occasion. Still has the versatility for that. But I think his better position would be moving inside. But like I said, there's no guy that really pops off the edge and kind of blows you away from that position group. And then when you think back to last year's class, it was just so deep at the defensive end position. And so when you're watching this year's camp, you just can't help but appreciate that 2022 class and how special it was. I mean, guys like Shamar Stewart, Marvin Jones Jr., Kenyatta Jackson, Nigel Kelly. There's probably some other guys I'm just leaving out, but you just get the picture of those uh, truly elite type guys that have everything you want out of that modern day defensive end. Again, there's a couple solid guys in 2023 that do have some upside, but just not the wealth of talent we saw in that 2022 class. So that was very obvious watching on at camp. So those were kind of my main takeaways, just general overall thoughts from what I was seeing at Arrivals. As for the impressions of specific players, I just kind of want to preference that by, I think you kind of need to know how the Rivals camp is laid out, at least in terms of media. So the Rivals camp is only for Rivals media guys, at least credentially, to be on the field, you have to be a member of the Rivals Network to have that up-close view. So any other media that wants to cover the event kind of has to sit back in the stands, which was actually fine this year. It was at St. Thomas instead of some of the other pass places they have where the stands were a little bit further back from the field and it made things a little bit tougher to see. But at St. Thomas, we got a great view of everything that was going on, especially the OLDL drills were just right there. So it was good from that perspective. But also another key point is that you don't get a roster to kind of look and see the numbers of the players, the actual players that are uh, out there making plays and all that. So you kind of just have to go off of, uh, you know, writing down numbers and figuring things out later. It's like a whole process of doing that, talking to other people that are there, talking to, to the kids afterwards to make sure you know who is who. But, uh, you know, it usually works out fine. It's just early, early going, especially with the new classes, 2023 and 2024. You're just not as familiar, like, with the faces. And then plus you add that with your, your sitting further back. It just can be kind of hard to tell who's who. But I had no... I ended up just having no issues, you know, 
know, uh, figuring out who was who uh, at the end of the day. But the reason I bring that up is that when you don't have a roster, you're just less likely to key in on cer the certain guys that you already know about. So you just come in less biased, just no stars, no hype, no offers. You're just looking at the guys that jump out at you right off the page. You're not, you know, hyper-focused on one or a few certain guys that you already know. So it just allows you to see more guys and find more sleepers in that way. It just ends up being a less biased view of who was really a top performer at the event. You get a broader experience of the event as a whole. So that's one thing that kind of worked out well with the rival stuff. And honestly, there was a few guys that I was watching out there. They were really popping off the page. I expected them to have like a ton of offers and uh, just be, you know, high end, high end guys. And when I found out who they were, they just, some of these guys didn't even have profiles. I'll just actually throw out a couple of the bigger names you probably already heard of, or at least are well known at this point. And then I'll get into the sleeper guys, some guys I really, I really liked. But you had usual suspects that like Santana Fleming, wide receiver out of American Heritage, had a great day, won a lot of, ton of reps. Uh, Peyton Kirkland, another four-star guy out of Dr. Phillips off at, at the offensive tackle position, showed up huge. And was just dominant out there. He won OL MVP at the event. Uh, LeBlanc, like I already talked about, uh, showed a lot. John Walker, man, with that type of frame that he has, 6'3", 310 pounds, looks legit. Looks like he actually is that listed height weight. And he's just so aggressive uh, coming off the ball. It moves very fluidly with those feet that you just don't see from a guy that size. So I'm really excited about Walker's type of upside. Those guys, of course, 2023 guys. But then you have the 2024 bigger names. I already mentioned Stevenson, who won DL MVP. But the wide receiver MVP was from St. Thomas, James Madison II. This guy could definitely be a five-star when it's all said and done. I believe he's a high, high four-star right now. But definitely has that size speed that you really love. That really makes guys kind of fall in love with that type of stuff style and type of playing ability but he has the play strength to uh kind of offset you know some concerns about being too much of a finesse guy you see some of those guys kind of fall into the, that trap at least those side speed marbles kind of get too cute get too finesse with it but uh he's getting stronger putting more onto that six three six four frame and then a few other bigger names at least in terms of the offers they have or the stars my favorite guy just in terms of this you love those effort effort type guys they always kind of make an impact at least on me when I'm watching these events, that was Fred Gaskin, the third out of uh, Vanguard in Ocala at safety. Um, he just has a weird kind of build for a safety prospect. He's shorter, stockier type guy. You don't really see those guys too much on the back end because he, he looks like a linebacker. At first, I thought he was before I realized he was working with the DBs. Um, he just doesn't have that, you know, elite top end speed, but good enough and um, just wasn't afraid to just lay out multiple times, just make a play, tip a pass away, make a pick. Just multiple reps of him just kind of closing quick, being super physical, challenging guys in the air, pushing them out of the boundary, forcing just tough contested plays. So I love to see that. On one of his picks, he went full extension, was one of the plays of the day. Looked like it should have been an incomplete pass, but he somehow got his hands on it and pulled it in right before it hit the ground. Those ball skills showed up all day too. He had multiple interceptions. But I love what I saw from Gaskin. It's just going to be, he's a four-star recruit already. He's got offers. It's just going to be weird to see, you know, um, you know, he, it's going to be very scheme specific with him in terms of if he's going to be a take for some schools or not. Because uh, just with that, that, that that size and frame he's not that prototypical safety 
but man, the kid's a, a hell of an effort type player, and he still has a lot of the athletic traits that you like. Then you have your sleeper type guys, guys you may not have heard of yet, but could definitely be on the rise in the coming months throughout the process. Guys that are zero star pretty much right now, getting not a lot of buzz, but uh, you could be hearing more about coming into the future. I'll start with Jamari Sands out of St. Thomas, the running back, 2023 guy. He was my personal favorite running back of the day. His classmate, uh, Javen Simpkins, a four-star running back out of Norland, ended up winning running back MVP. But Sands, I thought, was my favorite running back of the day. So quick with his footwork. Feet just never stopped moving. And that's just one thing I really like to see out of my running back prospects. Guys that have really active feet never stop moving. And he was all over the place. Every single drill he was standing out. It wasn't just one, like, like the cat and mouse drill. I think he had the play of the day. Honestly, he dismantled a linebacker with a dream shake, kind of fake spin move and come back to the left. And uh, the guy was just, the, the defender was just on the ground and the crowd was going nuts. Just love that. And then moving into the pass catching, I mean, he was still making plays, pulling away from guys very easily, uh, had the soft hands, the concentration, needed to finish plays, finish that catch. Frame-wise, like, looks good. 5'11", 190 listed. I think he's probably about that, maybe a little less weight-wise. But uh, he has that frame to fill out nicely. And so he's, he's an exciting guy to kind of keep an eye on. He has no offers right now, zero-star guy, but he's going to be at St. Thomas this year so we'll see what happens if uh he can uh, make plays and get more tape out there those st thomas guys always seem to uh, get um, offers pretty quickly if they're the real deal so uh you also had jamari wright at wide receiver out of coconut creek in the 2023 class james madison was great he definitely deserved wide receiver mvp but i thought jamari wright was pretty much right there with him and santana fleming of course in 2023 but jamari wright coconut creek high school man he pretty much cooked everyone he was going against he's a smaller guy maybe like 510 maybe 150 he is he is light you know that and that's probably part of the reason he's not getting too much buzz right now really needs to put on more size but man he was just all over the place just toying with some guys out there getting separation so easily burst on another level every time i was seeing him take take a rep he had just so much separation between him and the defender but uh you know this was a guy that definitely performed at the event and uh even in like the one-on-one like kind of cat they do these kind of cat and mouse things with the wide receiver dbs too i don't know if you what exactly you would want to call that since it's not running back linebacker but it's similar drill to that um you know he was getting by guys in those small windows those short area quickness he was showing that as well so a really interesting guy again needs to put on that weight but in the right offense man he could be a dynamic weapon in the slot so uh, gonna be an interesting guy maybe more of a group of five type player but um, you always see those guys coming out of South Florida that everyone wonders how no one recruited him coming out of high school there's there all these guys you can probably put them in that type of bucket then you had jaheem clark at safety a 2023 guy out of riverdale high school in fort myers this guy stood out immediately with just his his length his frame is is really tall and lanky guy love that in my corners and db safeties all that uh you you know going to these events you can just kind of pick out the guys that really look like fbs level type players and uh this guy's definitely going somewhere in the group of five maybe even power five just got his first two offers um illinois and marshall kind of recently so it'll be interesting to see how his recruitment plays out but uh he definitely needs to put on some weight he's listed 6'1 165 i think he's probably more in that 170 range at this point but you'd still like to see a little bit more weight but uh again it's still early in these guys careers they have plenty of time to put on weight but the dude just knows how to use that length man he really uh, was rerouting guys all day getting them off balance was just uh, bothering wide receivers with that length and uh was able to make a couple plays 
in the air on the ball. Nice ball skills, showed it off on at least one pick. I saw him diving to make the play. So those would be the three names, at least from 2023, that I would keep an eye on as just kind of flyer type guys that could really make a move up in the rankings or get some offers under their names as the months and weeks go along here in this process. As for 2024, unranked guy that's just starting to get some traction is uh, Isaiah Williams, a wide receiver out of Wiregrass Ranch in Zephyr Hills. Uh, just got an FSU and Penn State and Pitt offer, I believe. But man, this guy just looks like the modern NFL wide receiver in terms of how they look and what the NFL wants them to do. He's got the frame. He's listed six foot 160. I think he's bigger than that. He's at least feels like, looks like 6'1 in the 170s at this point. So he's continuing to improve that physique, grow into his frame. Just has that route running ability, really crafty. He can create separation at all three levels of the field. Um, he just has that suddenness to slice and dice that secondary up in any way you kind of would want. Um, really interesting from an athletic profile. And he knows how to create separation at the catch point. I think that's huge, at least uh, in terms of where the NFL is trending right now. Jose Leon from Columbus, another wide receiver prospect. He's got that typical build that you have for a slot receiver, just really small, maybe 5'10", 155-ish pounds right now, 160. But he was just dominating on those underneath routes all day. The DBs had trouble keeping up with the, that change of direction skills. Very elusive type runner with the ball in his hands. So very interesting prospect there. He got a lot of quickness in and out of his breaks. Guys were off balance trying to defend him. And he has some of those advanced route running traits that you look for, at least at this level, very advanced at manipulating defenders at this stage of his career. Kind of subtle head fakes and things of that nature to get, kind of just get guys to hesitate just for a moment to kind of create a little bit of separation and get a good clean look for his quarterback to make a play. So that's pretty much my general takeaways from the event this past weekend, the Rivals Miami camp. Went on a little bit longer than I expected, but there's just a ton of exciting prospects to talk about at this event. Really liked what I saw overall from 2023 and 2024. As always in South Florida, well stocked at a lot of different positions. It's going to be a fun ride watching these kids develop and grow. And again, if you want to get the fuller picture of all the top performers, some more recruiting notes I didn't really have a chance to get into of some guys I talked to after the event about the Hurricanes, you can check out that article over at canesinsight.com. So we're getting ready to bring on D-Money and we're going to talk all things spring football from this first week of spring practice for the Hurricanes. But before we do, we know we have to check in with our guys over at Caneswear, your one-stop shop for Miami Hurricanes apparel and gear. Head on over to Caneswear.com to check out all the new arrivals Caneswear has in stock. Canes Baseball is now underway, so you know Caneswear has you covered with all the newest Canes Baseball hats now in stock. The Tyler Van Dyke autograph signing event was over at Caneswear at the storefront in Davie. Tons of fans showed up. It went really well, but if you happen to miss out on the event, have no fear. For sale on Caneswear.com right now is signed and authenticated Tyler Van Dyke pictures and helmets. Tons of great gear and memorabilia authenticated by JSA, signed by Tyler Van Dyke, that you can find in store or online at caneswear.com starting at $59.95. So go ahead and check that out if you're interested. And remember, it's not just Canes gear over at Caneswear. You can find all your favorite South Florida local sports teams, the Heat, the Dolphins, the Panthers, the Marlins, Inter-Miami, any type of South Florida sports gear you would want, Caneswear's got you. So go ahead and check them out at the storefront in Davie off University Drive in the Arrowhead Shopping Center or how about checking them out at canesware.com where orders over $99 ship for free. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain over at Caneswear, your one-stop shop for Miami Hurricanes apparel and gear. How do you Caneswear? 
We are back here on the Canes Insight Podcast, talking Miami Hurricanes football, as always, with my guy, D-Money. It's springtime over at Green Tree. First three practices are in the books. Uh, remember, it's only been, uh, you know, limited contact so far. So, you know, we don't have, uh, you know, so, so much data to go on. But, of course, there's early impressions to be formed, uh, some early buzz, of course. And uh, we're bringing on D-Money to talk it all out and talk about what he's heard so far. So uh, what's going on, D-Money? Loving life. Spring is the best. I mean, you know, the desert's coming as far as no football for a long time. So you cherish uh, everything you get from spring. Recruiting's uh, heating up. Uh, and the coaches will take a vacation now during this week. Probably the only time, you know, Crystal Ball is going to take any kind of break uh, recruiting wise. And who knows if he's even taking that. But uh, this will be a quiet week from the Kane standpoint. But we can recap all stuff up here from spring and uh, look forward to the rest of it because it's going to be very, very, very eventful. Yeah, absolutely. That, those those summer doldrums, man, they're they're pretty rough. They're pretty rough, and uh, it's all it's all interesting right now. NFL a free agency going on, Kane uh, spring football camp circuit too. So camp circuit's been pretty good right now. So got to enjoy these next few weeks, draft, NFL draft, and all that stuff. But uh, we'll hop right into spring D money. Um, of course, like we just said. Uh, only been three days of limited contact stuff, but uh, definitely some impressions you can form. And, uh, you know, we're not going to go position by position. I think we'll wait on that uh, for later podcasts once we get a little bit more information. But uh, just talk about what you're hearing so far from a general perspective. Uh, you know, what are you thinking about how the team looks so far in Crystal Ball's first spring? Well, to start, we're talking about three practices, very limited contact, very limited install. And as you know, the spring roster's I don't say decimated by injuries because these guys are, are, are fine. They're going to be fine for the most part, but you know, it's a thin roster uh, with the injury holdouts. So take all this, I don't say with a grain of salt, but understand that you're not getting the full picture of the team. So I, I like to focus on things that jump out, you know, big picture things, little picture things, just things that, that could have meaning down the road as we get into camp, we get into the season. So, you know, right off the top, the thing you hear from everybody just visually is the amount of people on the field wearing Miami Hurricanes polos, you know, with whistles around their, their necks. Uh, the staff has just gotten so much bigger, not necessarily the official staff, which is capped, but the support staff, the stuff we always talked about Alabama having and, and Clemson and Georgia, you know, those support guys. But the estimates I've heard from people, and this is a very rough estimate, they said it feels like triple almost. Uh, these guys are, are finishing a drill and then immediately getting coached up by somebody that may or may not be the position coach. Of course, the position coaches are extremely highly paid, highly qualified, but they're supported by more folks. And it's just a super high number compared to the past. When you step on the practice field, the folks that are on the field getting coached, the players, that's the kind of the first thing you hear is different. It's just an immediate, wow, I don't recognize what this looks like. Uh, so that's the first thing. You know, you always hear in spring, especially when there's new coaches, guys look bitter, bigger, guys look more excited, all that kind of stuff. And that that's pretty intangible. It's kind of in the eye of the beholder. So if you want something that is really tangible and it is what it is, it's the amount of staff. And, of course, if you look at their salaries, they're getting paid more. So those are things that are tangible. It's not just off-season hype. It's not just, hey, these guys look a lot bigger, more focused this year. Uh, it's something real. So that's kind of the first thing you notice. Uh, other thing would be drill, uh, just the physicality of the drills. And again, hearing from players, hearing from folks around practice, um, 
you are seeing more drills focused on, on taking on blocks with physicality, getting that mindset. Manny's defense was very much a lot of slanting, a lot of shooting the gaps, a lot of athleticism. So even though we're not shifting to like a golden type of three, four or anything like that, uh, you're still going to see more take on blocks with Kevin Steele's defense. So with that, you need, you need to get that physical mindset from the offensive line to the defensive line to the linebackers. You, you just got to develop it um, and, and kind of reshape the personality of this team. And that's something that's intangible, but the drills they're doing, um, really emphasizing taking on blocks, getting off blocks, even with limited contact. Um, so those are things that right off the bat, you're seeing differently. And uh, those are kind of the first impressions from a big picture perspective before we get into individual players and plays. We'll talk about that's just like the general kind of kind of takeaways. But then, you know, when you start talking about individual players or individual groups, um, it's important to remember, you know, this is just the beginning of spring. And, uh, you know, the guys that are with the first team, even some some guys with the second team, just all based on mat drills and offseason workouts and things like that. There's going to be a ton of changes as spring goes along and uh, going into fall as well. So um, but, you know, keeping that in mind. I know one position grouping where there's always a lot of activity, a lot of shuffling is that offensive line, uh, you know, always, you know, five guys in, in and out, sometimes just switch, mix and match. Uh, O-line coach um, is just trying to figure out what's the best pairing, what groupings work best with each other. Um, so that's always, a, you know, a big position of interest for me. And I know a lot of people too. Um, so D-Money, you know, what's kind of been the buzz on that offensive line so far? It's a, it's a deeper kind of group, but Miami's looking for that high end, those high end guys to really emerge and solidify themselves, I'm sure. The first thing to keep in mind with offensive line is, Three practices in, not a lot of full contact, not a lot of pads. So, you know, evaluating these guys way too early for that. Um, I think what you're seeing is we need more tackle bodies on the team. And some of that's going to come through through return from injury. Uh, John Campbell, Jalen Rivers, uh, even though Jalen Rivers is mostly playing guard, he's got that length and size that's missing right now. And John Campbell, obviously, your prototypical tackle body. Um, those two – knocking on the door, should be back very, very soon, already getting worked in in certain situations. So once you get those guys full go, maybe either, I don't know if he'll be when they, when everybody comes back from spring break in a week or by the end of spring, certainly by, by camp, they're really, really close. Um, that's going to help. But right now you're dealing with a lot of what I like to call guard centers, kind of those utility infielders in terms of your interior O-line, guys that are that 6'1 to 6'3 range, you know, not necessarily tackle types or big guards. So that's your, your, your Delone Scaifes, your Ja'Kai Clarks, your uh, Big Baby Seymours, uh, Logan Sacapolo, Justice Olawasan, Osman Troy, guys like that, uh, Cleveland Reed. You got a lot of those guys, um, and they're kind of battling it out right now. Uh, Logan Sacapolo, the, the, the new guy from Oregon, um, not a very physically impressive guy from a body type standpoint. Um, you know, definitely no taller than 6'2". Looks kind of dumpy, um, but of course, if you've seen his weightlifting videos, you know he's extremely strong. And these guys coached him last spring in Oregon, and he was very, very good uh, in full contact, you know, real football type situations. So I don't think they're surprised by what they're getting. At least uh, Cristobal and Mirabal aren't surprised by what they're getting with him, but he's he fits into that body type wise. So one thing with the O line is who's going to emerge from that group as the best. So you know who's going to fill in some of these interior spots once you 
bring back a Campbell, bring back a Rivers, and hopefully add a tackle, which I'd like to see in the transfer portal, uh, just to really increase the size of that position. Uh, starting off at the line, uh, for the most part, you're talking about Zion Nelson, uh, Trore, Ja'Kai Clark at center, uh, Justice as that other guard, and then at right tackle, uh, the lone scape, who I think is, you know, really in an ideal world is a center to me. That's his pro position. Played guard last year, much, much better level at guard than he had played in the past with second team all ACC. Um, but right now, you know, again, no tackle. So he's playing tackle. Uh, I think you'll see him kick inside once Campbell comes back. Uh, and if a transfer is added, Jalen Rivers, of course, mostly a guard, although he has the ability to play tackle if needed. So that's your starting offensive line without Zion or sorry, without Campbell and, uh, and, and Rivers. And, and they're battling again, still very, very early. The 2001 recruits mostly been on the second team for now because they had to have less experience, haven't played as much as the other guys, but that could change in a heartbeat. We'll see what happens when spring break ends, but that's the Ryan Rodriguez is, who's been mostly at center, Big baby Seymour, mostly at guard, although he has the height of a center. Um, very strong guy, big hands, big butt. Has enough of that, kind of like Sagapolo, has enough of that to play guard, but from a body type standpoint, better at center. Um, and then Michael McLaughlin, who really is one of the few true tackles out there, uh, who has shown pretty impressive footwork and quickness at his height. Still needs to get bigger, still needs to get stronger, still needs to get a lot better. But I think you're seeing the outline of a player that Mirabal can turn into a good starter, if not this year, then certainly next year. Uh, Chris Washington, someone who I was excited about early on, needed to put on some weight, didn't really come with the weight uh, like you hoped he would. He's a little skinnier than McLaughlin is right now, um, you know, both skinnier than what John Campbell is, um, but he's in the mix. So those are, those are the names you're talking about at offensive line. It's a thin group, but at least you're getting an opportunity to, to break the cluster of those six, two, six, three, six, one guys, find out who, who do we want here when camp starts and we're a little stronger on the outside. So that's really been the story uh, with offensive line. My, my, you know, big takeaway from people I talk to is, you know, Zion looks great as expected uh, and, uh, and McLaughlin, you know, he, he's got something, some interesting stuff just from an athletic standpoint, everything else is probably too early to, uh, to read too much into. One thing we usually touch on pretty frequently on the podcast and uh, especially in the, the pre-spring pod as well, D-Money, um, we, you know, we talk about how these freshmen look when they first get on campus, just right in that beginning of spring. You can kind of tell those first impressions if they have what it takes to play at this level or not. And usually for the most part, those first few days of camp, you can just tell how they look, how they, they size up compared to the rest of the team. Usually those first impressions are pretty accurate and they, they hit pretty often. There's always a couple exceptions, of course, but um, I think it's pretty valuable just to know, you know, how these, how these guys just kind of look and just standing next to other guys at the college level and how they're kind of fitting in so far. So uh, any freshmen to you, you've been hearing about standing out or, or just looking the part as uh, guys that are going to be players here at Miami in the future. Yeah. And I'm a big proponent of that, that kind of first impression. Um, still, still very early here even for a first impression, because you like to see at least a little bit more pad, padded contact to see how guys react to that. But starting with Jakar Brown at quarterback, first thing you hear about him is size. Uh, he's an inch taller than TVD standing next to him, according to people who have, who have been up close to them. So you're talking about getting close to 6'5 for Jakari um, with a good build, a sturdy build. Um, 
you know, I think uh, Coach Gaddis said he had good posture, which is, you know, funny thing to say, but it kind of goes to his presence that he's a physical, sturdy looking quarterback. Definitely not someone who's going to blow over when the wind, when the wind comes at him. I've heard his arm strength is unbelievable. He drives the ball down the field with no problem. Bang eights in that little skinny post, which is really an arm strength route. I mean, he can deliver that with a flick of the wrist. He doesn't loft the ball necessarily. That thing's going on a rope. And it, you know, it's kind of like Lamar Jackson, where Lamar Jackson's got that whip delivery where he just really drives the ball, particularly uh, inside the numbers. I think Jakari Brown has, has, has some of that to his game, but a bigger body. So probably more pure strength, pure horsepower. Um, some throws going in the dirt, some inconsistencies. We knew that watching him in high school, uh, but that's what, you know, that's why you have a dedicated quarterback coach like, like Frank Ponce to, to, to really focus on his footwork, his consistency, it's not like this guy can't throw accurately and doesn't make beautiful throws. It's consistency, which comes a lot of it from fundamentals, particularly with your footwork, your balance, you know, your lower half, not just your release. Cause his release is, is fine. Um, sure. It can be improved, but it's not, it looks, looks nice and clean. Um, but you see the arm, arm strength with him standing out. Then also personality hearing from players, guys around him really like him, like his energy, positive guy, you saw it in high school, a true leader, somebody who brings good energy, you know, good looking kid that you know, calls himself the the heartbreak kid after the the wrestler, Shawn Michaels. He just has that personality and that magnetism. And, and you're seeing that translate from high school to college. So very, very encouraging what you're seeing from him still extremely early. He's with the way it is with the d- lack of depth. So many guys out for spring. Uh, so many transfers still to come. So many class of 22 recruits still to come. It's a very thin roster. So you really don't have much of a third team. And if, if TVD is number one, Jake Garcia is number two, you know, not a lot of guys for Jakari to play with on that third team. Um, but first, first impressions physically uh, extre- and, and just personality wise, very, very good with him uh, running back. Um, only your rival would be Henry Parrish, who I've been watching since high school. I mean, he, he looks like he looked in Ole Miss. Everybody's saying, you know, it's kind of what you expected with him. Uh, natural, uh, extremely shifty, coordinated can catch, uh, natural football player, built like a receiver, skinny. You know, nothing nothing unusual there or, or unexpected with him. I think you knew what you were going to get when, with Henry Parrish. So that, that first impression is what it is. Um, at the wide receiver position, Frank Ladson, bigger. He's wearing number eight, so you get some D. Wiggins flashbacks. He has hands issues at times like D Wiggins, but definitely a stronger, sturdier presence. You know that for sure. Same kind of speed. Um, just, but just a little more physicality and you hope, uh, you know, bigger hands, mostly you know, stronger hands, um, better hands. He's mostly with the second team right now, but um, someone to keep an eye on. Certainly uh, the name is really exciting. A lot of people's Jaleel Skinner tight end uh, bigger than people expected um, and really more ready. Uh, you knew he had speed. You watch him in, in high school. He was kind of like a baby giraffe. You know, he's, you, he's big and long and athletic, but still kind of learning his body. Not the most natural catcher in the world always. Um, not the most natural receiver, just kind of a big athlete. For what I'm told, he looks ready to play this year, at least as a receiver. The route running is surprisingly good. The quickness out of breaks is surprisingly good. The height and the speed are as advertised. And the hands have been okay. So, you know, as far as a guy who's a freshman is making an early impression, I'd put Jaleel Skinner in that. And you put, you combine that with Arroyo and his physicality and ability to catch the ball. Mallory is age, experience, and talent 
could this be the year he puts it together? Uh, you're going to see a lot of tight ends on the field. And Skinner, uh, I think, is, is making clear that he is going to be on the field early, assuming all goes well with injuries, off the field work, et cetera he's ready to go. I think IMG really prepped him for, for this opportunity with the way they practice and the way they prepare. He, he, he's, he's ready to rock and roll. Uh, Cyrus Moss, and I mentioned this in a post before we even got here because I'd watched him in the Polynesian Bowl. Skinny, but not just skinny. He's kind of narrow. He, just, he's not a, he doesn't have a, a wide-shouldered, big-bone frame that just needs to add weight. He's, he's pretty skinny. So where he plays is going to be interesting. I speculated that he might be somebody that's truly versatile and is standing up most of the time, potentially playing linebacker, if not every single down, uh, enough that that's that he has a role there because he can cover. He's originally a defensive back, 220 pounds. Um, I know Mario put him through linebacker drills when he was uh, at the Oregon camp uh, last year. So here they're not moving around like that. He hasn't earned that. It's still so early. He's learning defensive end. It's a very thin defensive end room with really chance and Harvey is the only proven guys. Elijah Roberts, a little nicked up with his ankle. Um, you know, Thomas Davis still, still young, missed the season. Uh, and then Jabari Ishmael is hurt. So, you know, Cyrus Moss is getting thrown right into the fire with the second team. And you see the talent. He's got natural uh, rush ability as far as dipping, uh, using his body, flexibility, lateral quickness. He's got all that. Uh, it's just going to be a matter of strength with him and, and, if he's never going to, he's going to get stronger regardless, but if he's never going to be strong enough to be an every down defensive back, how do you use him? Cause he certainly has talent and, uh, and the, the ability to impact the quarterback, which is, which is huge and, you know, good work or good attitude, tough. I'm a big Cyrus Moss fan. The question is just going to be, where do you deploy him to, to utilize him the best once, once he does bulk up and get into a body that's closer to the final product, let's say other new arrivals, Wesley Besaint. He's getting in there in the mix at linebacker. I think Steed and, and Keontre Smith are kind of ahead of the pack there a little bit, but you're seeing Besaint do his thing. He's bulked up a bit. He can run. Uh, he can cover. And I think when the pads really come on, people are going to see that he's a little stronger than, than he looks with that wiry physique. But, um, you know, he's not like Shaq where he came in and was first team by the second day. That hasn't happened yet. But he's also not third team. He's in the mix. And um, and I think he's going to be someone who they're going to watch how he reacts to, to team drills, to scrimmages. You know, what's he doing when he's a linebacker? They want to see what he does in full pads as a tackler, taking on blocks and just play to play. Is he one of those guys where the light comes on and he, and he finds the ball? But, um, you know, certainly nothing discouraging with with any of those guys um, as far as what they can do. You know, it's a, it's an exciting group. I don't think I'm missing anybody there as far as the newcomers. Oh, uh, Lichtenstein. Jake Lichtenstein at defensive tackle, uh, been, been almost exclusively defensive tackle from what I'm told. There was some talk about defensive end, defensive tackle versatility, uh, but he's pretty much been there defensive tackle with, with, uh, with Taylor, with Hunt, and with Jordan Miller. And I think uh, it's a good spot for him. He's a huge guy, 6'5", you know, 275, good, good straight line speed. Um, if you compare him to Nesta, he's not as short and stout, longer, um, you know, Nesta had a, had a really good first step. I don't know if, if Lichtenstein's first step to penetrate is as good, but Lichtenstein's definitely faster in a straight line. And when he gets a beeline on somebody, he can close distance. And of course, the length is a major advantage for Lichtenstein. So good additions. I think you're going to see a lot of portal additions. Daryl Porter was going to have a chance to play a lot. We already know that. Moultrie, Antonio Moultrie from UAB, who was hurt. He will be in the mix. I think probably more defensive end than defensive tackle, but we'll see. And uh, I don't think that's the end. I think you're going to see someone else get at either defensive end with length, 
most likely a big plugger defensive tackle. There's going to be some additions on that defensive front, hopefully a linebacker and possibly a defensive back. So you're going to see a lot of additions once the coaches see where they might be lacking a little bit. So uh, another deeper group and uh, where there's a lot of uh, shifting and movement and uh, guys get tried all over the place and wide receiver. There's a lot of uh, playing time up for grabs with Charleston Rambo gone, Mike Harley gone. Um, So it's going to be interesting to see who kind of emerges um, as the spring goes along. Um, Do you think there's anyone um, making a claim there at wide receiver to uh, at least in the early going that kind of looks the part and uh, is kind of signaling that they might uh, start becoming the alpha in the offense, D-Money? No, I don't think so. Um, not a receiver. I'd say Keyshawn Smith and, and, and Xavier Strepo would be my two favorites to start. Certainly with Strepo at slot, I think is, is really looking good and, and generating a lot of buzz with his work ethic, with his consistency. Um, I think that's a, a safe bet that he'll be there in the slot. Keyshawn Smith, same thing on the outside, um, although I haven't heard him you know, emerging as like the man um, like Rambo did yet. Yeah, it's still so early for that. Um, as far as the freshmen from last year who are now sophomores at class of 2021, the, the three amigos, they call them. Um, I would say Jacoby George is probably the furthest ahead and uh, getting a lot of starting snaps, but he has not solidified it again, still so, so early, but he hasn't particularly solidified that Frank Ladson's pushing Michael writings out there doing things. So there's that still up for grabs. Uh, Romello Brinson, really missing an opportunity, unfortunately, with an injury, but he'll, he'll be in the mix when it's all said and done when he comes back from camp. Um, and Brashard Smith, you know, he brings unique talents with his versatility. We've talked about how Josh Gaddis can use someone like him, but I would say Restrepo's ahead of him in terms of most more likely to be the starting slot receiver. I would certainly say Restrepo's ahead there uh, in that battle, but no one's really uh, jumped out. You know, and then on the other side on the defensive backs, uh, I think that's a very open competition at, at cornerback. Tyreek Stevenson, you know, is going to have one of those spots. Daryl Porter, I went back and watched some of his games at, at West Virginia, saw him against Oklahoma, and I want to say Kansas State, uh, or actually, sorry, Oklahoma and TCU. Watched those games. He was extremely impressive, uh, better than anything we had at corner last year, aside from Tyreek. So he's going to have a very good chance to start next to Tyreek. So this is all about seeing who is going to emerge as either the third corner, potentially the, the the nickel slash striker slash star, whatever you want to call it, that slot position. So, you know, all that competition is uh, is brewing. And I think you're looking at DJ Ivy, always going to get some snaps, always going to look the part in practice. That one, you, you kind of know the story there at this point. You hope he continues at least to perform in practice just to have the opportunity to prove he can do it in the games. Um, but we know the story there. Um, Al, Bla- Al Blades really a pleasant surprise from everybody I talked to just in terms of being physically back. You know, you didn't know if he's going to be playing football because of just a million things. So the fact that he's out there uh, looking healthy, looking strong, looking quick, playing inside and outside. So, you know, could Al Blades be the starting quote unquote striker? That's possible. Frierson also getting uh, snaps in that role. And you're talking about the Corey couch really needs a bounce back season after a rough season last year. He's out there in the mix. Marcus Clark getting some snaps, but Marcus Clark was not, from what I'm told, it's not like he came back as the starter where he was a starter last year. He's thrown in the mix with all these other guys with the expectation he'll compete. Malik Curtis is a name. Very interesting that I've heard just movement-wise. He's the fastest of all these guys. He can turn and run. He can he can click, click and close, meaning, you know, once he puts his foot in the dirt and goes forward, he can, he can break on the ball, uh, both in zone coverage and in man. So he's somebody that is, is an interesting name 
I think. And, and when the pads come on, hopefully the physicality follows. I saw him make some tackles on special teams, which gives me hope that as a converted receiver, he can't play physical. Um, but the guy's a great athlete and we need more athletes that can take a pick to the house and, and have the ability to go both ways at corner. Cause that's how Miami used to be where you had a Philip Buchanan or someone like that who could have been a receiver easily, but you have him at cornerback and he's returning kicks and he's returning picks and all that. So Malik Curtis is the one I really have my eye on for the rest of the spring to see, can he make that next step um, and emerge as one of these corners? But right now that's a big group of, of guys kind of on an equal level competing. No one's jumped out yet. Still very, very early. And then at safety, definitely you got guys jumping out, which top of the board, James Williams, Lean, you know, has not gained weight, has not gotten out of shape and great shape for a safety, smart, communicates, coaches love him, great passion every day. James Williams is, is basically the TVD of the defense. Um, and I think you'll see him do more stuff as the defense gets installed because he is so versatile. He, I've seen him cover the slot and do a decent job at his with just with his length and covering space. He definitely has a nose for the ball in the box as far as you know finding the finding the ball carrier, making tackles. I don't think he's ever going to be a pure linebacker, but he's got some of that. But just at safety, uh, you know, he's impressing people. And as a leader, he's impressing people. Avante Williams, you know what he brings, that physicality, the energy, kind of likeness Williams with the energy, which you like to see from your talented guys. Uh, those two are definitely the guys at safety without Camp Kitchens. Other name at the that had been repeated to me is is Brian Balaam and really more along the lines of just, you know, he's back, he looks healthy, and he's someone that the, the past staff really liked. I had somebody that was here in Miami forever before leaving to another school uh, on staff, and he mentioned that Balaam was the best freshman he had seen since Deion Bush at safety. Injuries kind of played a role in getting Balaam back into the weeds, uh, but hopefully he comes back fully. I mean, he looks healthy now. Let's see how the rest of the spring looks. Um, but he, he'd be one to watch at that safety position. Uh, another name, Jalen Harrell. I mentioned him just because a couple of people have mentioned how big he looks physically playing some safety. I've always felt that his best role, he played corner last year, played some safety. I've always felt his best roles at that striker position. So hopefully he gets a look kind of playing closer to the line. I don't know if he has the, the pure speed and range for safety and a corner, same problem. Again, him closer to the line with his size. He can, he can be a force player, and he has enough length and awareness to at least cover in those short areas. He's a physically impressive guy. Let's see how, how they deploy him right now. He's at safety. But uh, still a lot of time, and, and that's going to be one of the stories, I think, of the second half of spring once this uh, – I'll say second half, second part of spring once they get through spring break. Who's going to emerge a receiver? Who's going to be – who's going to make plays? It's going to be Jacoby George, Rashard Smith, Restrepo, and, and, and Keyshawn still doing it, Redding, Ladson. That story is yet to be told, and I think – the same is true when it comes to finding the other corner besides Daryl Porter and Tyreek Stevenson. It'll be a, some fun battles uh, for the rest of the spring once we get back here from the spring break. Good stuff, D-Money. Good stuff. So that's a pretty much an early primer of what's been going on at spring camp through these first week. I'm sure going to be tons of more info coming out and you know more impressions to be had as spring goes along. And we'll definitely be having those talks in the coming weeks, I'm sure, D-Money. So thanks for coming on and uh, sharing the early insight with us. Appreciate it. Yeah, always, man. And uh, you know, the best practice values, we'll have even more to talk about. And this will be the spot we'll have it for you. Definitely, definitely. So that pretty much wraps up this edition of the Canes Insight Podcast. You guys know what to do. Stay locked into canesinsight.com for all the latest team news, recruiting news, and the message board is always popping. For my guy, D-Money, I'm Stefan, and we out.